Hello, people. Uh, my name is Emmanuel, and uh, welcome to Techmont Africa Podcast. It's been quite a while since I've sat on this chair, but yeah, I, I hope you've had fun. I hope you enjoyed yourself, and uh, I hope you've been staying safe and doing a lot of things to to secure the bag, as it were. So yeah, Bolu and Jingozim are with me here today. Welcome. Thank you for joining us, even though you don't have any choice. But <laughs> it's good to know that you're here for us. Exactly. <laughs> appearance fee. What do you put me? Appearance fee. <laughs> this is not football manager. So, but yeah, uh, I think this this week I, I saw something very interesting. How uh, it was a video, like an ad that showed how what banking used to be before this whole switch thing happened. So normally right now you can just pick up your phone and send money to someone anywhere you are but it mm-hmm. didn't used to be that way i used to i remember those days i used to follow my dad so unity bank we're still in a rural area in delta state so unity bank is that bank that does not make noise but serves those frontier then first bank also tries to so you carry passbook and stay inside the bank for hours trying to send money and you can only send money in the bank branch that you opened Whoa. Even if it's the same bank. So if you open Unity Bank in Benin City, mm. you can't go to Unity Bank then in Delta State. So, so yeah, there was there was a bunch of issues and crisis and all of that. But I think Nigeria's banking space has evolved so far so good. More than we give it credit for. True, actually. You agree? Did yeah, you experience any of this I'm talking about? No, no, I did not experience it, but I think recently the U.S. government um, is trying to, because in the U.S. they can't send money, like banks can't send money as quickly as we can. And then, I think that was in July, they started processing, you know, so that their banks can send money as fast as we can. So, you know, from there, I already kind of knew, but then when I saw it, that in 2023, U.S. just wants to do this, and we've already been doing this for a long time. Then I knew that okay, our banking system, yeah, we yeah. don't give it enough credit. Yeah, it's fair. But what I'm even thinking, like, okay, people that were hired in the banks at that time, mm. are they still dirty now? Like, today, as their job changed, have they been laid off? Mm, that's because very with good technology, with NIBs, all of those manual stuff that they needed to be doing, to do it again. So yeah. If I guess some people definitely lose their Yeah, jobs. some people will stay. Those that can relearn, those that can evolve, mm. those that cannot, that will enjoy paper. Okay. We'll back to the classroom. <laughs> okay, something. nice one. So I guess you guys get where I'm going with this, right? Modern yeah. Workplace Africa Conference. So, yeah, things are changing the job space. And we just talked about the banking sector in the early to late 90s. How, no, what am I even talking about? Like, since banks have been since in Nigeria, right? So we just talked about it. In the 90s and how things have changed and how most likely a lot of people have lost their jobs in the banking sector but in that uh layoff or losing of jobs new roles have emerged new jobs have been created because that's what technology is all about so yeah that and more is what we'll be exploring at the modern workplace africa conference and uh, yeah you're going to be talking about the future of work and how a lot of technology is disrupting everything so but tomorrow we're going to be having a hr mixer so it's for people in the talent people management space to come and talk relax take bites and drinks and all of that 
then also talk to a therapist. Nifemi has actually secured a therapist for you guys for some reason. But Afabulu, do you need therapy? I mean, I I mean therapy. you don't you don't know until you until you meet one. You don't know until you meet one. Yes. But yes. I know yes. Chinozim definitely needs one. Ah. Like there's so many things mm. that he's fighting and battling. Yeah, really, actually, <laughs> I am. You, so many things. You need you need therapy. I'm surprised you admitted. Nice. Nice one. Okay, so guys, don't uh, forget. Actually, you just go and laugh at the therapist. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you need therapy. Because why do you want to go and laugh at the therapist? Because I, I don't know if that thing works. I mean, they're just they're just collecting money. Have because you tried I, therapy before? I tried it. I worked out because the woman was telling me rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> Someone was telling me that I need to cry more in my life. I'm ah. like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> what the heck is that? Okay, no problem. So yeah, we are, we are going to be leaving the link in the description for you to find out more about what's going on and what's going. But yeah, in the tech space today, we are going to be addressing a number of stories that should keep you hooked. We have a major, so we don't know if it's a major, but at least it's a major one. Major stories around an acquisition in the startup space. Then a Kenyan logistics company is is having very, very serious issues. Then the Nigerian Stock Exchange, the Nigerian Exchange Limited, is looking for ways for companies to exit, Nigerian startups exit in the Nigerian market. So that's an important conversation. And uh, yeah, so stay tuned to the end to find out more about that. So let's start with RiseVest and Chaka. So we heard that RiseVest has acquired Chaka or Chaka is now a part of RiseVest. Mm-hmm. So what's, what's the main gist there? What are the facts that we need to know about it? Okay. Main gist is... RiseVest has acquired Chaka. Figures are undisclosed as usual. Um, but uh, interestingly, they are not. So typically, these acquisitions, the acquirer absorbs the acquired. But in this case, they will remain uh, separate entities. Um, that's very interesting to me. But I think we get to, the, uh, to that point later. So yeah, that's it. Um, what other interesting detail? Yeah, I think those are the those are like the major. Those are the major facts yeah. about the acquisition. Mm. Nothing else. No more detail. Well, we will discuss the other details, but these are like the highlights. They've been acquired. They'll be working as separate entities. So, um, the Chaka CEO will continue running Chaka as a separate entity, although they will still be under the like larger Rise Vest or Rise portfolio, but it would be a separate entity. So that I'm assuming that means the. Their staff would, like staff, they wouldn't have to maybe. They will not switch. Yeah, no, no. and all of that. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, that's like the highlight of it. So, okay, let's go ahead. So, yeah, let's actually dive deep into why they are not absorbing mm-hmm. rice vests. Yeah. So, Chaka, rather. Why is rice vest not absorbing? So, in my mind, I think, okay, there are two distinct products. Mm. Rice vests, in a way, operates very differently from Chaka. Chaka is very granular. You're buying stocks. Both in the Nigerian market and yeah. foreign oh, market, I think even at, at some point they had Chinese stocks. I don't know if they still do, mm. but you could buy stocks in China, US, and Nigeria, and it was very interesting. So, but Riseverse does not Riseverse abstracts all of all those things. Yeah. You just put your money and give you interest mm. at the end of the year most of the time. So you can invest in real estate, you can invest in stocks, but you don't see the actual stocks yeah. that you are buying, right? So. Uh, yeah, so but is could that be a reason why they're doing this, or is there something else under the hood? Okay, so 
somehow I think that this was a strategic acquisition to buy out a a competitor and basically eliminate competition. So we have a few companies in that space. There are not too many. So we have Bamboo that works similarly so to Chaka. Then we have Rice Versus and entirely different model if I would say so. They don't um you can you can just give them your money, they tell you like the returns you should expect and you go to sleep. So it's different compared to Chaka where I have to like pick the stocks myself and then make the trade. So you probably don't want to go get um, bamboo because maybe bamboo is a lot more um, expensive to acquire, but you can get Chaka and um, you eliminate competition and also strengthen yourself. So I noticed that I think RiseVest is working on a different product, asset base, where you can basically buy any asset, startups, um, real estate, vehicles, art, anything at all you want to you want to buy, you can you can do that. It hasn't launched. There's still I mean it's just the wait list that is available now. But I'm 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 just looking at it as them buying off the competition and just okay, you know what, do your thing and then while we while we remain here, you 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 won't be a threat to us. So basically now get um now the thing is we also don't know how large our market is. Um Rice Vest has a, be about two hundred and fifty thousand to three hundred thousand users. Chaka has about a hundred thousand. Uh, I think Bamboo has about three hundred thousand users. So just that acquisition brings you up to um the bamboo level and then you're like a dominant force in that market. There are still a few other players. I think there's I Invest, there's Afri Invest, there's Trove. Um there are a few other smaller startups. So I I'm looking at it as them buying out competition really. Mm. And that could be why they are okay. And the video, I was watching the video that Rise Vest released, I think yesterday or the day before yesterday. Mm-hmm. And they said they have a shared vision for the sector or for the space. So it's, um, you're just consolidating on what you have. So I, that's my take on why they decided to allow them remain distinct brands. Okay, so but let me show you small. This is this is this is what we call real assets. <laughs> How much people are buying in the crypto space, like the tangible. The, the things you are buying, they are backed by tangible stuff. You can hold with your hand. There yeah, are crypto. also many things you can buy in the crypto space. Crypto that, can relate. That are tangible. Like, okay, like what? mostly mostly are not tangible. They are not really backed by anything. Anything. Like there are some. of them are not backed by anything. <laughs> can say that but there are some there are some now doing <laughs> so don't see don't worry I'll, I'll come back to you yeah. don't worry but i, I have mean, i have one one like okay so i mean if you look at the numbers i don't know what um either companies are doing in terms of revenue or profit right but then if you look at their um, well 100,000 is a significant number sure because if we say Rise Best has about two hundred thousand users, and Chaka has about hundred thousand. Is that is that difference like huge enough for Rise Best to be able to acquire Chaka? Yeah, it's probably part of the numbers behind the scenes that we don't know about, which is mm. what I'm about to address, which is. Why is it that so so far so good? I think we've I think from from last year to now we've had over forty one M and A announcements, mm-hmm. and only two or three 
I've actually disclosed an amount. Yeah. The only one that I remember vividly is in Stardip. Yes. Tunisian startup. Yeah, there was a crowd force, I think. Yeah. No Nigerian has disclosed. What are they hiding? Okay, let's let me say something that uh, Asimota said recently. He said um, Nigerians are secretive when it matters. So if you think we are loud people, you are secretive when it matters. So he was using Chaba as an example. But why? Are, what are they hiding? Um, there are a lot of reasons why a startup can decide not to disclose those numbers. There's the I don't want you looking into my business. So there are people who raise money, they don't disclose it. And one of the reasons is they don't want to give a sense of their operations to both competitors and regulators that may start billing them. So that could also be one of the reasons why um, this is not disclosed. There are also a few other theories, like some that were propounded by Ngozi Dozi, Carbon CEO. And he said one is you could have either overpaid and you are, you like, you don't know if you've overpaid <laughs> because you don't know if you got a fair value for the company you bought and you don't want us to laugh at you. Or um, for the yonder paid and the person who was exactly. bought at a lower <laughs> price doesn't want to look stupid like mm. you had a huge asset and you let it go mm. or it was um, it was a terrible deal for at least one party usually the person being acquired and they do not want to look stupid those are some of the some of the reasons he gave but another reason that um i i have seen is and um so i spoke to nekaese she's I'm the managing director at Vested World. And she said one of the reasons could also be that they don't want to give out their, like they don't want to give out the competitive competitive advantage. So for example, I can have a sense, maybe not a hundred percent of how much you're worth by some of the numbers you put out. And if I do an acquisition number, if I, if I say, okay, for example, I bought a company for $20 million dollars the normal assumption would be that at the very least your your company is valued at more than $30 million at the very least for you to shell out that money. So if I do a little back of paper math, I can get to estimate how much you're worth. And um, you could do anything you want with that information. You could also, um, I mean, maybe some of your plans, you could give away some of your plans um, uh, by... By that, so some acquisitions really are just um, you're just acquiring them to save them. It's not because they're that important to you. You're acquiring them to if you just be okay. One investor here doesn't want his investment to go to to go to waste, and then he says, "Okay, can you guys do this thing?" And then okay, they so do that. So you talk to a partner investor, what right? Yeah. So can we hear what uh, she has to say on the issue? Let's hear from sure. this mouth. I think you find the information you need to make decisions as both founders and investors. Obviously, it would be easier if the information was publicly available, but I don't think it will hold us back from doing our job. And what that means is that um, most investors, you know, within the investor community, if you will, are willing to share at least a sense of multiples or um, potentially valuation at exit, that type of thing with other investors when you're, you know, looking into a company in the same space. Uh, so you just have to be a little bit, um, you know, use your network <laughs> to find out some of this information and then similarly look at other markets, but it's the same things. All right. So I think, yeah, 
thank you uh, for that insightful comment. But again, I'm still, I'm, I still, I'm still not convinced because I mean, in the Western world, you see. So for me, fundraising are announced, mm-hmm. but exits are not announced. For me, I think it should be the other way around. I, I don't care how much you raised. <laughs> I think I agree with um, you said um, Doze said something right. And I th- I agree with the last thing he said. It's especially looking at it from a Nigerian perspective. I think it is because that acquisition was not good for at least <laughs> one person, one party. Pers- one party. <laughs> well, okay. but that can be. D- I think that, that can be the case probably for the case everyone. everyone. Yeah, really really that, that can be the case. For, so what's interesting for this particular acquisition? What's interesting for me is I was looking at the numbers they have raised since they were founded. So um, most most of Redvest. Like their raises have always been undisclosed, and you don't mm. know the exact number. I think they were in Texas, but we don't know. I, we know Texas gives around, I think, 150,000, but we don't know exactly how much they've raised cumulatively. But for um, Chaka, Chaka has raised over $1.2 million. So, except it was a terrible deal, I think it's safe to say that um, they raised like last time they raised was maybe three or four years ago. I think it's fair to say that at the very least, the deal, if it was a good one, it could be up to maybe 5 to 10 M. No, definitely more than that, if you ask me. I think it should okay. be more than that. Okay, no problem. So let, me, let me rest. <laughs> let me so rest. you can fix that. Let me rest. You so could. Let me rest. <laughs> let me rest. Because I'm, I'm seeing, you guys are not convincing me, but let's let's move to another startup. A very, very important startup called 54 Gene. And uh, yeah, when they launched, we thought, oh, what these guys are doing was revolutionary. The African genome. So the idea behind 54Gen was when medical uh, innovations are happening, when drugs are being created, very, very, very little of the African gene was being taken into consideration when building all these innovations in medicine and pharmaceuticals. So... The whole gene sequencing narrative was like a big deal for me, right? But it's sad to hear what's going on at 54 Gene. So, Bolu, what's the latest update with? All right. Uh, so, is it an update? Or yeah. Well, the update is that we might be seeing the end of 54 Gene. And like you said, it's quite sad because it's one of the startups. It's one of the startups in africa that are trying to change that narrative when it comes to genome you know globally and you know there's been a lot of um controversial things surrounding these shots now no, so, so if you are not controversial yeah so if you're not familiar with it um i mean 54 gene has been going through a lot of problems uh, in the last few years um it was founded in 2019 but they've had like three ceos um in i mean within a short period of time. And this is after they've been able to raise $45 million. So these issues, you know, kind of started when, um, or after um, the founder, um, that's Abasi Ene Obon. I hope I got the pronunciation correct. So you're you're talking as if you're trying to toast me or something. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the issues, yeah, the issues started after... um, Abbasene Obon left the company and the according to Tech about some of the reasons why he left was because they were trying to go back to investors to get more money. 
and this was the same year where they started um, their COVID testing business and they made about $20 million and they also raised another 20 or $25 million thereabouts. And, you know, right after that, things started happening. And then one of the sources that spoke to Tech about said, you know what, no matter how altruistic what you are doing is, once a startup fails, I mean, fights will start between um, different people. So basically, the company wants to shut down, right? And they are saying they are trying to get buyers. Um, it's not really clear how successful that has been, but it's probably just going to be maybe not selling the company itself, but selling some of the things they've been able to, um, like some of their, should I say, their assets, like that they've acquired over time and maybe some of the things they've gotten in terms of research, mm. right? So that is the gist with 54G. So there's a lot of, you know, when it comes to, I think the last time we had this discussion um, with Nifemi, I, Nifemi and Tim Gozirim, we were talking about how what could have happened was because maybe they didn't have investors that were patient enough to get, you know, to see the fruits of their investments because, I mean, genomics, how many do we, have? I don't think, besides 54 gene, we've not, we've, we don't have any other one that we, Africa, know, of. That we know of, right? So, yes, because it's a capital intensive, really, really capital intensive business. But I think Tim was going to clarify that it's, I can't, what was your qualification about? Uh, Sorry, I don't yeah. believe it's, it's, you can lay the blame at the Investor. feet of investors because you, you should have. You should give me, okay. give me energy, yes, please. Thank me, you. You're welcome. So I said you <laughs> can't lay the blame at the, at the feet of investors mm. because if I'm, if I'm starting a business, <clears throat> I should, like ideally, I know better about it than the investors. So I know how long it would take me to get to a certain level. So, for example, if they made $20 million um, in 2020 or 2021, yeah, yeah, they made $20 million. I don't know what their expenses are like, but if you come back to me as an investor and you want to raise money again, I'm going to be, I'm probably going to wonder why you are raising more money, right? So, if you raise, if you made $20 million, I think, remember I said, we don't know all the things that happened, but now if you made $20 million, then was the problem a failure to build on that success or did you start spending recklessly after you had that um yeah like i think you, you had that boom and all so maybe it was driven by covid primarily but that's that's significant money that you could reinvest into your business mm. and maybe it could buy you some extra time until um, this funding winter is over so I said we can't lay, it at, lay the blame at the feet of investors. So you're probably yeah. like, you're probably correct because according to some of the um, findings in the article, um, when they started their uh, seven R labs, yeah, seven yeah, river labs, yeah, seven river labs, the the source said they spent like an enormous amount of money. Mm. I think the, the word was unreal, an unreal amount of money setting it up. And buying some of the best equipment. Um, I think there was one in Kano, a couple of states, about three states in Nigeria. 
and I think combined about 100 employees, right? So I think the spending, it might have been more of a spending problem than um, an investor problem. And I, and I, because I started doing some research, right? And then I saw that there have also been genomics startups. There are some that have raised an enormous, enormous amount of money, right? Mm. But there's also one, yeah, that have also failed. But there are also some that, you know, they have some undisclosed, um, I think it's Traxon or something, I can't remember. They have undisclosed funding rounds, right? But some rounds that were disclosed were when they started, I mean, for a couple of years when they started, they didn't even raise, in their first four years, I don't think they raised as much as um, 54 gene, mm. right? And they've been around for a, a long time. I think it started in 2012 and now they've IPO'd. So it might be a spending problem. But then when we look at it from the perspective of another genomic startup that I saw, right? And this one, even before they came out of stealth, they already raised six hundred million dollars. Right. So the founder good to have a dustbin. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm reaching the cost of this. I so there's there's a lot that we we can based on how things have you know how things have blown blown up, right? The fights and the lawsuits. I think one of the CEOs, right? One of the many CEOs that have come on board are now suing, right? So from there, you know that a lot of things were wrong. Somebody was not doing. A couple of people were not doing the right thing. So we can say, oh, they didn't have enough money. It's capital intensive, but I can't say. I mean, with with everything we can see, some people were not. Spending money right, treating their mates or their employees or whoever was working with them right. So, okay, fair point. I'm not going to say much about this, but mm. I guess uh, I I find it difficult to quantify how much an R and D intensive company Com- should be spending mm. because again, it's R and D. It's R and D. You might not see returns for years. We are shouting ChatGPT now. ChatGPT, uh, OpenAI, the makers of ChatGPT, was founded in 2015. And we only saw ChatGPT in December 2022. <coughs> that is like their flagship product, right? That's everybody's talking about now. But between 2015 and 2022, they raised about at least close to $2 billion. And even now, I don't even think they are still profitable now. They might not still be profitable. It, so it's even about the profitability issue. It's like before you even have like so, but what again? That is me playing devil's advocate for for Jim. But mm. on the flip side, before ChatGPT, OpenAI was already a big name in the world of machine learning and deep learning mm. because street cred. They had yes, they had a street cred before ChatGPT, which is GPT three point five. It shows you there was GPT one, GPT two. GPT three, and then GPT three point five. Now they're on GPT four. People have been using those uh, transformer models to train AI for enterprise solutions or whatever, whatever, whatever in their own respective companies before they made that chat GPT public. But then there was a lot of demand. It was free, but unlike now because OpenAI was a non-profit at the, at when they launched. So again. People have already been using their products before they launched ChatGPT. So 
there are two sides again. Was there any uh, service that 54 Gym was ranging? Exactly what we were talking about. Like outside that COVID testing, right? Is there any API they were offering to hospitals? Was there anything, right, that could have been at least, even if it's not a massive user base, at least mm. it shows like, okay, this this is just a little money to maybe keep you alive, run your operations. So the, when the thing about um from the little I read about genomic startups, right? Um it's it's not your Basic, it's not your average health tech company. I know, yeah. it's so for instance, the little ones they've done was uh, was there any demand for it for in the global pharmaceutical industry, for instance? I think, I mean, obviously, the COVID thing did well. COVID, right. anybody, anybody could, could, have, do, uh, could have done, could have done that. everybody was doing COVID testing, exactly. Everybody was doing COVID it. Still testing. comes back to what I was asking like, was was there like enough, would I say, foresight or business? Yeah, foresight on the part of the founders is mm. okay. You're operating in a different in a difficult market. Mm. You probably are not going to make a lot of money. How can we stay alive? So you're playing a health tech. If you're in, in if you're in Africa, you know you will not raise as much money as someone in fintech. It's it's a given. It's you, you can't even wish your way out of it. So you now start thinking, how can I access money? Do I go for grants? We've seen a lot of um, health tech startups they tend to go for grants because yeah. they just, you probably will not find too many VCs who are lining up to invest in you. So for a startup that was doing something that was that important, I think they should have probably said, okay, can we do enterprise solutions? Like basically B2B, forget all the, um, all the fancy words on the website about what they wanted to do, democratize this, democratize that. What, can, what service can we offer large corporates, for example, that can make us a, a little amount of money that at least keeps us alive for a couple of years until we finally blow? <laughs> Instead of maybe sinking all your money into something that will give you money today, yeah. or you may not be able to replicate it. I mean, you don't know when the next COVID will come. So. Yeah, so maybe Africa is not just ready for no, this. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's less. Maybe our founders are not just ready. Is this they, founders, Africa, or even the investors and grant awarding organizations? Because if it's to, if <laughs> Fortune was sharing drugs to children mm. in the streets, trust me, you would have seen, they would have seen. Maybe they should have also spawned a narrative. I mean, <laughs> sharing malaria drugs. The game is the game. Just so, late. I mean, say we have people that, that they say they are posturing. You should have postured to yeah, no, <laughs> stick with it to the end, but yeah, we are yeah. not going to neglect the mismanagement and whatever, yeah, exactly. whatever. We're not neglecting that, but yeah, so this is a startup that so far so good has not made it to exit. Uh, one just did, they didn't disclose the amount, <laughs> uh, it's fine, it's fine, I'm not beefing, but uh, the Nigerian exchange is third to fourth largest exchange in Africa. I don't think they are first or second. So, yeah, they are talking about exit opportunities for startups through going public in Nigeria. Does any founder want to hear that? But let's. What What do you think? What's the What's the What's the ones there? I mean, as they say, you have said it all. They want startups to be able to raise capital through a special provision. Well, so the thing is. This is not like, it's not like a concrete plan. It's like my plan. I go. My goal. Like, I go. Exactly, I go. <laughs> I fit. 
that's where it is right now. It's not like there's a um, like so this conversation happened um in the like th- there was an event that the NGX chief was at with um the Minister of Communications, Innovation and um, what basically Boston Tijani and then Flutterwave CEO and he was he was asked about exit opportunities and they both mentioned that they are trying to work together <clears throat> to create opportunities for, for startups to raise capital. And we know last year, I think it was the SEC that said talking about um having both SEC and SEC and NGX talking about startups listing on the um on the stock exchange in Nigeria. I mean it sounds like an interesting thing to see, but do you have enough liquidity? You don't even have enough liquidity for larger companies that would typically need significant amount of money um, for startups that are not going to make money for maybe the first two, not that they will make money, but they are not going to be profitable for the first couple of years of their existence. Um, can you provide enough liquidity to tie them through that period? So no, those ones don't need NGX, I think. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing. Yeah, and, and that's exactly who these guys want to attract. So that's why it, um, I, I'm not paying to, okay, maybe I'll pay some attention to it, but I'm not um, holding out hope that any serious thing comes out so at least. there's there's an issue I'm having here because this is not the first time they're having this conversation. Yeah, they've been having this conversation since I joined TechPoint. So there's What's something the called the ASEM board and the Growth Board on the Nigerian Exchange, mm. and that ASEM board and Growth Board is supposed to be meant for SMEs and high growth startups. Mm. So that already exists. Why is it not gaining traction? And again, this market is a market where a lot of i call it the wild wild west because yeah it seems like oh there's a lot of regulatory bruhaha going on but it still feels like the system the entire system around our financial or capital markets feels a little bit wild except for those in the premium board for instance the access bank mtn etl but i've not heard much about the ascm board the growth board did they talk about it at all not really during so, that conversation so that I, I think that i don't think that question was raised this question you're asking i don't i don't think it was raised so obviously it won't so it won't just be, want us to forget uh, about it and pretend as if nothing i mean we may have to have a conversation with the ngx chief if i mean i, w- I wish that to them because i mean i wrote a whole article about it in 2020 <laughs> oh nigerian stock exchange want to attract technology startups and that is that is and here we are talking about how and okay, the by the way, <laughs> and by the way, Flutterwave wants to help Nigerian startup list. Are they listing? <laughs> Are they listing on the Nigerian exchange? They are not. <laughs> okay, so I can't categorically say, let me put that out there. I cannot categorically say, mm. but the body language I saw when that question was thrown to GB did not look like something I was interested in exploring. And I cannot blame him. I can't blame any founder. I can't blame him. Um, if you list on the Nigerian stock exchange, your valuation will go from three billion to like one point five, <laughs> just because of where you choose to list. Mm. Because people have to be, we are fighting with um, investors repatriating their money from the country, and you're trying to make your local investors. They really don't have the money. That's the, if you are being honest, we don't have local investors that have money. Forget all this old money conversation we usually have. We don't have enough investors that can take this risk because. Um, you can invest in, in First Bank. You know you can always put your money out maybe in the next one year. But you put your money in um, Bolupe. You're not, <laughs> you're not pulling that money out for maybe two, three years. So we don't have people that can do that. We don't have 
a good number of them. I don't know, maybe some of the largest ve- venture capital firms in Nigeria. Largest I know is um, I think Ventures Platform, forty million dollars in um, that the the last one, forty million dollars. It's it's not like a drop of water in the ocean. Yeah, for I mean, these what Ventures Platform even show any interest? So exactly. So the capitalization, the regulatory environment, the business environment, everything about it, it's like it's it's not it's not promising at all it's it's not it's not so i don't know let me just rest this matter that's about the fund that the nigerian startup act was supposed to establish we've not had story we've not had nothing about it so we don't even know where that's your story now yeah it is but uh, we are still waiting for confirmation um from the the council or the secretary have they formed the council we've still not heard anything about that too that's the problem i mean yeah i mean the let me, let me leave this alone but yes uh, i think it's it's an interesting day it's exits on one hand shutdown on the other hand then administration <laughs> what does administration <laughs> mean i beg so before i even explain what administration means right um let's even tell you who is entering the administration so uh it's a kenyan based logistics startups that has been going through a lot uh, mm-hmm. for some time now and why are they going through a lot? Always comes down to the same thing. It's always money issues. Uh, Sakpa. Yes, Sakpa. <laughs> but then the Sakpa is, I mean, they've been able to raise about 20 to $22 million, right, since they've been around. Um, they were in Nigeria recently, but they shut down operations in Nigeria. They were layoffs, and now they are in administration. So what does that mean? So um, I'll put it in the simplest um form possible so when a company goes into administration it means the co- the company is having problems like you said sakpa is worrying them right um they are probably spending too much they don't have enough money they are owing people so when they enter administration right someone the administrator right someone who is an expert in financial matters helping businesses survive that person now comes in right to take over and then to help them survive. So once they are, once a company is in administration, you cannot if they are owing you money, you cannot go and <laughs> disturb them, right? You need to give them some breathing room. Oh, by law, I can't. Yes, disturb you them. cannot. You need to give them some breathing room to like space. Yes. <laughs> let them get themselves back. So that is what. Uh, why can't you not call administration? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Please <Yeah>. go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. It's to stay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Patricia is not in. Is it? Patricia is in crypto space. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, okay. You know, so, you your options are limited. Your options are limited. So, Sandy is now in administration, and according to Tech about their administrator is Peter Kahi, right? So, I think for me, the question that came to my mind immediately is: Okay, you are now in administration. What are your chances of survival, right? So I'll give you some clues, right? So in Africa, we don't have um, figures when it comes to companies that have entered administration. But I mean, I saw data from other places, right? And the thing is, uh, only 10%. <laughs> so once you enter, you don't come out? No, you come out if you so end up surviving, right? The person will stay for some time, try to help you get on your feet. But the data you just mentioned now is... Yes. Once only you enter, 10% you know they come outside. Entered. Even forest. 
and ended up standing again. Only ten mm. percent. Given that things are usually worse in Africa. Exactly. And then when you look at Peter Kai, the best the administrator, is um is he was also an administrator in a now defunct Nakumat supermarket and uh, another Kenyan company like that. So it's not even as if he has successfully <laughs> saved. <laughs> so But I mean Ladies, ladies, we should be preparing uh, goodbyes for Sunday. I mean, going by the data, right? But then let's not. Um, let's not. Um, let's not be pessimistic, right? Exactly. Yeah, let's not just conclude. But I mean, twenty-two million dollars, and so I, I find it weird that logistics companies are struggling in this same market where. DHL is this larger than life company that just does. Is, is that really a fair? No, 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 no. How did comparison? DHL become so big? Someone said it's because they are not tech companies trying to do logistics. Mm. They are logistics Word. companies. Word. So that is, and I feel like a lot of startups that are playing in these industries that are not core tech, mm. I think they should not waste their time trying to behave like startups. They should behave more like SMEs, which most of them are, are in the first place. It's just that they posture as startups so that they can raise money from investors. And that is fine. You can push all you oh want. No, do you want to drop your, your address? My address? Yeah. Yes. So that they can find Yes. Ah, ones. please, please. Come on, please. You so, in so the description. Thing, For yeah. the 3B, I mean, a crest. Before they come here, in the first place, they see the volume. <laughs> just yes, look for the guy that wears glasses. Yes. No, my own is just able to run more than, faster than a few people, which you I know I can run faster than a couple of people at that point. Do you want to name? Do you want to name? No, no, no. no let's not go there. Honestly, most of most of all these people that call themselves startups are SMEs. And I don't want to mention their names here because I've already dropped our address. Mm. But <laughs> so the, the, and you are right. Yeah, probably on you the are very correct. So, I mean, I've spoken after speaking to um, Uche Okono, this um, smalljobs.ng guy. I realized that there are some businesses where it's not even good for you to raise money because there's a ton of learning you need to do before you can start scaling. growing and scaling. And most of these businesses are businesses that deal with where the human um factor the human factor is large right where you have gone beyond where your code cannot work again right if you are in that side of business it's not the basic textbook and uh, do this do this do marketing because you are dealing with actual human beings right it's not like oh how i are two developers these are people that don't have I mean, they are not exactly white color. I mean, when you're dealing with blue color people, right? You need a lot of learning. You need a lot of. It's not. It, it's like psychology, right? That like you need to know how to deal with these people. So maybe those. These are the same problems. Um, Sandy is going through. Yeah. Just yeah. sorry. Just imagine mm. small jobs of Sandy now that just that's making hundred million mm. with just nine employees. I, I'll be. I'll be willing to bet there's another company. I will say they want to do Uber for small jobs and start burning money and start complaining about how difficult the Nigerian market is. <laughs> and, uh, le, 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 le. Okay, please. So, I told this conversation, um, I think maybe last week, or I can't remember the exact time. Mm. But the argument was um, you have 
you have people starting businesses in domains or in areas they have no domain expertise mm. so you're you're starting um you're starting a fintech but you've never worked in finance you've never worked at a bank at a mortgage um, institution maybe with an insurer or any of that you just have an idea that you think is brilliant and then you're building a, you're a building topic. an app mm. immediately and the person or a lot of people actually went to the fact that <clears throat> you should get domain experience or domain expertise in that area of course you may not it may not be 10 years of experience but at the very least understand that how that industry um operates fintech guys are you listening <laughs> and work for a fintech company first thank you yeah. bank. What, cool. what if i get an expert maybe on my founding team or something mm. no that is well, fine that's oh, of course that that should cover for um yeah that what should cover for what you lack in expertise you can get an expert to be an advisor but the the tricky thing is advisors are typically not involved in the day-to-day of your business so are they going to be the ones um that tell you oh, okay um this is like they may tell you this happens this happens this happens but they're not doing the day-to-day no and is it advice what you're talking about or no i like someone on into the like company. a co-founder okay, uh-huh. if you can get a co-founder yeah. that's that's perfect if you can if you can get a co-founder who has their experience and maybe okay you have this idea you bring it mm. and then the person is just telling you okay this is what you should expect when you go there because i remember when this chargeback fraud um started uh Yeah, I think it was favored I said is that this is new to him and, and someone was like you're doing a fintech in Nigeria and you don't know about chargeback are you playing and a lot of other I, I I've seen I've seen someone else make a comment about a fintech founder and he said this person obviously doesn't know what he's saying hmm. and this is someone who has like over a decade of experience in the finance space and he's saying that you who is running a company doesn't understand how a particular function works so of course it's not everyone that would have the experience so i think as much as you can even if you're not getting them as a co-founder maybe as an as an external consultant i don't know it it may cost you some money but basically someone that can help you in even if it's in the early days to just say okay this is what you should expect and then you go ahead with it because Uh, maybe that's one of the problems too that um, founders have not not knowing enough about the market and then having these grandiose ideas and executing just based yeah. on what you think should be like your your you have this utopia in your head about how the industry should be but the market is seeing a different thing you're trying to force your own ideas on it so i don't know maybe Um probably someone who is who is my experience and myself would have a different idea but I, you, I think having that person that that what he does make yeah. reference to now forcing the ideas on people because they have ideas is Jeff Bezos that cost all these things <laughs> honestly because uh, yeah someone like Jeff Bezos that will tell you uh you don't your customers does not know what, what they need Jeff Bezos I Steve Jobs I used to say Steve that Steve Jobs thank you Steve Jobs are, like they don't know uh, what they need to you in nigeria we know what you need though so the thing is it's it's fair to say that they don't know because if you look at some innovations that have come out there's not things that you were thinking about right as of the pay stack <coughs> i've never thought about anything like pay stack or flutter wave maybe pay someone stack. else may, may have been thinking about i'm talking it of like regular that. people that are using it now oh, okay. not people in that industry that are seeing the pain points right mm-hmm. so you that are inside media now 
you might be seeing some pain points that you might be like, okay, this is something I would like to build or solve later in the future, right? Or yeah, but someone outside the media space might not yeah. see it and might not care if it even exists or not. But if it comes out and it's solving a problem that they didn't know they have, it makes sense. But the only way that works is when you have an obsession with the customer, which is what Steve Jobs and uh, Bezos. Bezos have, like crazy obsession with the customer. And I don't see it with most of these founders that are claiming that they are innovators and they are building what people don't need because they don't know that they need it. None of them are talking to the users. None of them are even the, when they are talking, they are not even asking questions that will force them to actually gain those insights from those mm. users. So if you say you want to have an innovative idea, then you must be customer centric. And if you come that have done that, OP, money point, detail codes, mm. those ones, they are cashing out big. They're cashing out big. If you come that look so you just made mention of banking and banking experience. So uh Tosin, even with his expertise in the banking sector or in the fintech sector, he's brought in a core banking person to lead the money points MFB. And why he's sitting at the group level. So that person is a core banking. He was I think in Interswitch or something. Yeah. He's brought in a core banking person to lead money points MFB as a standalone company and other standalone companies that he is just sitting at the head, uh, the holding company. So there are many, many models that can work for this kind of things, but I don't see it happening most of the times. I'm not seeing people obsessing over the customer and I'm not seeing people obsessing over their talent. I think this is where the, this is probably where the investors can help because when yeah. you're giving me money, you have, there's, there's a little power that you have over me. You can tell me, True. Something True. Uh, like you, even if you're not giving me an instruction, you just suggest, okay, um, how about we hire someone with this profile to lead this section of the business? But um, I don't know. Really, we are not we are not seeing a lot of that. Yeah, we still see people who start. We still see people who start mm. companies. They don't have a lot of experience, and they still go hire other people who don't have as much as who don't have sometimes even less experience than they themselves. And then we just because have that cycle. You need to be the boss, you know. I mean, you can't be the boss, but no, it's no, no, also no. you. So if you hire people with experience, they're almost likely to challenge. Yes. You, and you don't want to be challenged because you're well, the boss. I mean, <laughs> it's an ego so thing. All of us have ego mm. So Yeah, so let's, 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 let's raise this matter. Sandy, please, <laughs> I don't know. Logistics companies in particular, mm. I, again, I keep looking at those big corporates that have grown <laughs> to be what they are. There are so many lessons we need to learn from them. The markets yeah. that they refuse to enter, why didn't they enter it? Mm. So, but let's let's move on. So we've heard that MultiChoice has lost $1.7 billion in six months. So this is MultiChoice. DSTV, GoTV. I'm not surprised. $1.7 billion why are you not surprised? in six months. That is crazy. They, they, yeah, they losing the money Imagine what I will be looking at any startup that says they want to, they want to democratize the streaming space. I will just be looking at you inside yes. I like no, what do you know that multi-choice doesn't? But let's see. <laughs> let's see. Then oh finally, Trez users will soon be able to delete their accounts without losing Instagram by December. I want to say who cares. No, but <laughs> people are not using Trez. People are not using it. Um, I can't remember the last time I went there. Well, I tried. Like, let me even because Twitter. So, so what, what is Twitter? I will go on Twitter and 
What they are doing now, they are bringing okay. feeds from threads to Instagram. You would have been scrolling through Instagram, you would have been seeing feeds. Me, I would just scroll and it's pia, pia, pia. Mm. I move on. So they are trying to bring it to where you are now. Where I, I wish them the best, <laughs> but threads is just an Elon Musk mess up away from blowing up, actually, in my opinion. Once X just messes up, <laughs> but as long as they are not messing I up. Yeah, you still um, have many mess up before people move. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, 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 the thing is okay. Let's leave let's that. Let's leave that. Let's not that. On it. <laughs> okay, so now Amazon is investing four billion dollars in AI. God will help all of us. So, uh, how yes. much did African startups raise last year? Like five, five billion. That's not good. Yeah. Like five billion. So, guys, let's don't forget. Look at Amazon investing four billion dollars in AI. So AI is going to be a big deal, and that's going to be a very, very, very important subject in the future of work as it relates to whether you will have a job or not in the next five years, uh, whether you even have a retirement plan at all. So, so many things are going on at the Modern Workplace Africa Conference and you should not miss it. And if you are playing in the talent management or people management space or recruitment space and uh, you just want to have an evening of relaxation and chilling, just come to the HR mixer that is going on on Friday, 29th of September 2023 that is tomorrow based on the time we're recording this so yeah uh i think what did am i forgetting anything don't forget to do the needful subscribe yep, and yep. uh yeah just like subscribe and share with your friends where we shares and everybody so for our video lovers you know what to do instagram youtube tiktok uh now audio lovers bolu knows what to yes do. for audio lovers you can always find us on I want to say Google Podcast, but very soon you might not be able to find us on Google Podcast anymore. Because yeah, what happened? Yeah, yeah, script scrapping or scraping Google Podcast. So all your podcasts will now be on YouTube Music <laughs> by the end of starting next year, right? Yeah. So, but you can oh, always okay. still till then you can find us on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Hi Heart Radio, and anywhere else you get your podcast. <laughs> Should I? No, 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 no. Wait. There's eight, wait, sp- say art. Hi, there's there's age yeah, there. There's an actor age. Oh, do do that. When there's age, age in the actual world. My God. Guys, please put in the comment section. Is you're there really something wrong with my pronunciation of You're never beating these allegations, no bother. Yes, you go explain. Uh, no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. All right, people. Bye bye. And bye. see you in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> but there's each <laughs> <laughs>